Good morning, and welcome once again to Mind Matters, our series of abridged talks and lectures. I'm Carol Meng. Today we'll talk about the origins of Chinese civilization. Archaeological discoveries since 1921 have established that complex societies, as represented by densely populated walled cities, first arose in North China instead of the South, triggering the development of Chinese civilization. But it remains an open question as to what made the early cradles of civilization emerge. Professor Zhu Wu Chen from the University of Hong Kong will tell us the discovery about ancient China found in the working paper that he has co-written. He was invited by the University of Hong Kong to give a talk entitled "War and the Origins of Chinese Civilization." Most of、uh, China's observation, if we, if we can say it that way. Uh, during the historic periods,、uh, okay, prior to thirteen、uh, hundred、uh, BCE, were located much of the you know the population、uh, was located in north、uh, northern China, not so much in the south. Okay, and then the、uh, the yellow dots, the yellow circles, stand for the number of walled cities.、Uh, so I, I'll be more specific later on, but for now, let's just.、Uh, Uh, view those、uh, walled cities or Guchengyi、huh, as uh, those that had some uh, uh, physical structure encircling or protecting the population within. Okay, so we require either a physical、uh, mud-made、uh, or earth-made wall, or some moat,、uh, some water moat encircling、uh, the inner population、uh, to, uh, so as to protect them. So you can see that,、uh, of course, the big the size of each、uh, yellow circle stands for the the number of walled cities or walled towns that have been covered for each cell for the whole Neolithic period. Okay, so you see a lot of uh, uh, big yellow circles here, here, and in other regions, and it's especially in the Central、uh, region, yeah, the Chengdu Plain, ah,、uh, yes. Uh, Chengdu Key,、uh, but not the no yellow、uh, circles south of the Yangtze River. Okay, so this is why when you look at,、uh, if we take this conclusion uh, uh, as a given that、uh, you know early Chinese civilization started in the Neolithic、uh, when walled cities of fortified settlements emerged. So we. In general, in this uh, literature uh, of archaeology, we view、uh, especially the emergence of very large uh, uh, walled settlements as the start of uh, uh, early civilization. I'm going to get back to this in a moment. If we take this as a given, then、uh, first the first impression we get、uh, from this map is that、um, the Chinese civilization initially did not start in the south. Uh, but in the north,、uh, so for our <laughs> effort、uh, in this、uh, project, the main question is uh, not to uh, identify evidence that, that the Chinese civilization started in the north, not in the south, because it's so obvious, right? Physic- physically, uh, geographically, all the yellow circles,、uh, uh, based on all the archaeological discoveries、uh, so far reported.、Huh? All of them lie in northern China, not in the south. So that's obvious. But more importantly for us, 
the question is really uh, to understand why the Chinese civilization started in the north. Uh, you know, even though we look at this map, we know it started in the north. Uh, but the question is, what made the north so different uh, from the south? Okay, and that if we say it's the flat plains in northern China that gave rise to the uh, 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 Chinese civilization, then what are the ch what are the main channels? That made the flat uh, plains or flat regions in the north uh, are so easy to come up with uh, walled cities uh, many thousands of years ago. Okay, so that's the wall channel we want to uh, uh, examine. So in the end, the basic conclusion is that uh, it is war that uh, made uh, Chinese civilization first emerge in the north. Uh, which basically says, you know, the northern people uh, in in the prehistoric times must have faced a lot more war threats uh, than the southerners. So I'm from the south. So if you ask me why are you interested in this question, so I'm from uh, the southern barbarian region of Hunan. So we were viewed as uh, barbarians, right? So I want to understand why we were barbarians for so many millennia, whereas uh, things were really uh, uh, cracking up and developing in the north. So let me first uh, summarize the main uh, findings uh, from this work. Uh, so first of all, uh, during the Neolithic, uh, lower terrain ruggedness, so basically it means flatter regions, uh, had more archaeological sites, so basically higher population density, and also more walled cities, so we just saw this uh, a moment ago. And then uh, secondly, uh, flatter regions uh, also had more military grave uh, artifacts uh, based on the archaeological discoveries so far, which indicates that um, there is a strong link um, between war and the start of the civilizational process uh, in the north, okay? And then to confirm this uh, war channel, we use uh, 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 both uh, military grave artifacts and also uh, actual war data uh, to prove that um, latter regions indeed had more wars, uh, especially during the Eastern Zhou period, Dongzhou, uh, which caused uh, the locals to build more uh, fortified settlements or fortified cities, okay? So since the north had flatter terrains than the south, and then they faced more wars, so the Chinese civilization originated there uh, rather than uh, in the south. Uh, so basically, the main conclusion is that uh, uh, warfare, not flood or irrigation control needs that started uh, the uh, uh, Chinese civilization in the north. Okay, so just uh, let me spend uh, uh, a few minutes on the background uh, in terms of the motivation uh, for this research. Uh, so for us, uh, you know, one key question is, you know, what drove the emergence of civilization, not just in China, but also in other regions, uh, especially uh, Mesopotamia. So here, just very quickly, uh, for definitional purpose, so we define civilization to mean a collection of uh, cultural, social, and organizational innovations 
that collectively establishes a law and order. So this is the main uh, key uh, element we look for, law and order. And that makes uh, peaceful uh, interpersonal cooperation uh, possible, okay, in a complex society. So as Durant uh, uh, puts it, uh, civilization begins where chaos and insecurity end. So the, so from uh, his uh, uh, comments and discussions, it's very clear that uh, uh, what do we mean by civilization uh, has this key element uh, that is uh, law, uh, law and order uh, that uh, makes uh, chaos and insecurity uh, disappear or uh, 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 be lowered. Okay, so there is a, a relatively large uh, literature uh, on the origins of the state, uh, the political uh, uh, state. Uh, and civilization, uh, but uh, much of the discussion in the extant literature is really focused on the origin of uh, state polities, not so much the origins of civilization. So as as I, I'm going to show in a moment, uh, the early uh, emergence of civilizational uh, development uh, happened much, much before uh, the a first uh, uh, rise of uh, large-scale political states. Okay, uh, actually, the the in terms of the uh, delay in timing, uh, we're talking about uh, several thousand of uh, thousand of uh, of years. Okay, so not just uh, you know the the time gap. It's not just uh, in terms of decades or or centuries. Uh, so uh, the early emergence of cities. Uh, uh, was uh, much, much before the early emergence of the politic, large political, uh, uh, state. Okay. But nonetheless, um, this literature, uh, is very, uh, relevant, uh, to, to our, uh, work here. Uh, first of all, in explaining, uh, what contributed, uh, to the early rise of the political state or civilization as they, uh, uh, emphasized, uh, of course, in, well, a lot of the early scholars doing work in this area, they really uh, treat civilization as the same thing as uh, uh, political uh, state organizations. Uh, so we try to make a distinction. Okay, first humans uh, had uh, cities. And then some thousands of years later, they, uh, so chiefdoms and uh, 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 large-scale political states emerged. Okay. So in between, civilization actually started. In any case, uh, Witt Vogel, uh, the German scholar, uh, in the 1950s, uh, became famous for uh, writing uh, uh, his uh, books and uh, articles uh, by addressing uh, uh, hydraulic uh, civilizations. So he's the one who gave this uh, uh, hydraulic uh, needs or irrigation interpretation to explain why uh, uh, civilizations and political states first emerged. The main point is very simple. Uh, so when you had a lot of farmers uh, who depended on water uh, to grow their vegetables and uh, uh, crops and so on, then uh, somebody had, some leader had to appear to make sure that everyone would follow certain norms and rules. Otherwise, uh, the locals would just, the local farmers would keep fighting with each other to get more uh, 
uh, water supply for their uh, uh, fields, right? So you needed uh, some civilizational uh, development to establish law and order so that uh, water uh, management can be done better. You're listening to Mind Matters, where we just had Professor Zhu Wuchen from the University of Hong Kong telling us about his findings on Chinese civilization. Next, he will continue to discuss his insights in the emergence of northern civilization in the country. The focus has been on explaining what contributed uh, to the rise of the political state. And then, of course, in political science, uh, uh, Charles Tilley uh, is famous for creating this uh, hypothesis, how war made the state and the state made war. And then after his work in the uh, 1970s, uh, there has been a huge literature on rejecting, uh, trying to reject his hypothesis or trying to support his hypothesis. But here again, uh, it's about the rise of the state, not the rise of uh, the early civilizations. Okay. And then, uh, Peter Turkin, uh, he has, uh, published uh, a number of uh, papers and books, uh, to, uh, come up with, uh, this alternative explanation that is advanced uh, advancements in military technology and also war threats, uh, from the nomads, uh, 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 living on the steppes. Um, they were the, uh, main drivers of, uh, very large uh, political state uh, development. But in their case, they really focus on huge political politics, uh, rather than early, uh, uh cities and also their time period. Uh, is, uh, uh, from, uh, uh, 1500 uh, BCE all the way to 1500 CE. And then recently among economists, uh, there's this interesting, uh, a paper by, uh, Mayshaw and his co-authors published in 2021, where they, uh, use, uh, the perishability of, uh, domesticated crops, uh, as, uh, the main, uh, driver. Uh, uh, for the emergence of civilizations or more specifically for the state. So their explanation is that, you know, if uh, the local farmers grow crops uh, that can be dried and stored uh, for a number of years, then protection of private property would become more important to the local farmers. Whereas um, in Madagascar and other places where the domesticated crops with tuber and other perishable goods that cannot be stored, then there, even though they may have, the locals may have settled down, uh, to engage in, uh, uh, farming and, and so on, uh, there was not, uh, not as much need, uh, to develop, uh, you know, very sophisticated law and order as a result. Uh, in Madagascar and other African, uh, societies, uh, some of them, some of the tribal people may have settled down uh, some thousands of years ago, but they did not have as much of a need to develop a very, uh, sophisticated law and order and related institutions. But of course, their argument for, does not really apply to China because the regions we are looking at, uh, North, Northern China and Southern China all grow either rice or wheat, millet and other, uh, crops. All those things, uh, can be stored, 
uh, after being dried uh, for uh, some use. So uh, perishability is not a main factor. Uh, so in any case, uh, this large literature is focused on the origins of the state uh, rather than uh, origins uh, of uh, early civilizations. So here, I, I want to just cite a, a, a few papers uh, or a few books uh, to highlight the point that the emergence of early cities really was a major starting point uh, to jumpstart uh, the civilizational process. So thanks to uh, Samuel for recommending uh, Louis uh, Montfort's uh, uh, book, uh, The City in History. Uh, so he made a lot of wonderful observations. Uh, so here I quote uh, a few lines from his book. Uh, the wall uh, was both a physical rampart uh, for defense and a spiritual boundary of even greater significance, for it preserved those within from the chaos and formless uh, evil that encompassed them. The city almost from its earliest emergence brought with it the expectation of intensified struggle within. A thousand little wars were fought in the marketplace, in the law courts, in the ball game or the arena. Uh, the point here is that, uh, you know, once you have a lot of people uh, living in Hong Kong, right, in such a high density, you better have some law and order. Otherwise, uh, the local Hong Kong people will just keep fighting with each other day in, day out in almost every place. So that's why, uh, as we're going to see, even though, uh, the formation of early walled cities may be purely the, for the purpose of protecting the locals against enemy attacks. But once you have hundreds or thousands of people living within a very uh, a small fortified uh, walled area, then you create what uh, uh, Manfred would call uh, uh, the struggles uh, within, <laughs> because in the marketplace, in the law courts and other places, you better have someone to enforce rules. Otherwise, there will be so much violence, uh, so much disorder, and so on. This is why uh, the original purpose of forming those walls may be for defensive purposes. Okay, But once you have those encircled or, or, or fortified settlements formed with people living in, then uh, they got a life of their own. They got new challenges and that they had to develop uh, new rules and engage in uh, uh, hierarchical uh, administrative uh, structure uh, creations so that law and order can actually be maintained. Okay. So by putting power in some measure at the service of justice, the city brought order more swiftly into its internal affairs. So this is like a very nice summary uh, of the main argument uh, we put in here. That's why uh, I, you know, I really think that uh, the association of the early emergence of walled cities with the early emergence of civilization uh, makes a lot of sense. I mean, we, of course, you, you have to read more in this area in order to really appreciate uh, this uh, connection. Okay. So, of course, for our work, uh, then our a key question is, uh, uh, what caused the city emer to emerge in the first place? So here are the different hypotheses, but in the interest of time, let me uh, just move on to um, 
uh, the actual work we do. So we want to address two key questions. Uh, first, what made walled cities uh, and then hence uh, early uh, cradles of civilization uh, emerge? And secondly, why did they uh, mostly emerge in, China, in North China uh, over several millennia uh, prior to uh, 770 BCE? So just a very, very quick historical uh, background. Okay, so uh, you all know that uh, uh, sedentary agriculture started uh, uh, between 9,000, uh, between 10,000 and 9,000 years ago. And in different uh, places along uh, both the Yellow River and the Yangtze River. Uh, but uh, for the early Neolithic period, uh, from roughly uh, 8,000 to 5,000 BCE, uh, about 13 uh, very small walled cities or walled towns emerged. Uh, they were all very small, just uh, typically in terms of uh, a few thousand to a few tens of thousand uh uh, meter square meters, so not big. Uh, just of course, this May Hall building has uh, maybe how many square meters? Uh, is that uh, maybe a, a secret of Hong Kong use? Anyway, maybe a few thousand square meters with all the rooms, house rooms, Samuel's rooms, my rooms, all included. Maybe a few thousand square meters. Okay, so we would not call this a city. Okay, but by the mid uh, Neolithic. Which is, uh, which goes from 5,000 to 3,000 BCE. Archaeologists typically, uh, refer to that period as, uh, the Yangshao, uh, Yangshao, uh, period. Okay. So this period, uh, had more interest in development. Uh, so far, 56 uh, walled cities or walled towns have been discovered. So by the mid Neolithic, uh, five, uh, they, they are, uh, there are now five walled cities of at least one square kilometers in size. So, uh, when one Da and I were first uh, working on our first paper, I thought one square kilometer, that's too small. And then last year, uh, we went to uh, Jerusalem. I mean, some FBE colleagues and, and uh, uh, alumni and uh, a few professors, we went to uh, uh, the city of Jerusalem. Then I saw that, uh, that the whole city, the ancient city of Jerusalem is one square kilometer in size. Then I thought, whoa, one square kilometer can be so big because there are many buildings in, in it and also different segments of the Christian, uh, area and then the Islamic, uh, or Muslim area and so on and the Jew, Jewish, uh, uh, quarters, right? Wow, one square kilometer can actually accommodate a lot of people. Anyway, by this period, uh, uh, there are five walled cities of at least one square kilometer. So let me give you some examples just to appreciate uh, what our ancestors uh, were able to do with stone tools. Remember, those were not uh, the Bronze Age times or Iron Age times, uh, we, the reason we call it Neolithic, uh, because they did not have any of those metal weapons or tools, only t stone tools. Okay. So this is from, uh, 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 my hometown province, uh, Hunan, uh, not where I grew up. Okay. I'm from the southern Hunan, uh, which is much more backward. Okay. But, uh, in the whole province of Hunan, there's only one plane. That play lies in, uh, Li Xie, uh, in, 
uh, actually along the border between uh, Hubei and Hunan, above uh, the Dongqing Lake. Okay, so this is uh, one of the uh, relatively large scale uh, first uh, wall cities. Uh, it's called uh, the Chentoshan uh, uh, site or Chentoshan uh, wall city. Okay, it has a uh, 180,000 square meters uh, in size, lying on the only plain in Hunan from this uh, uh, mid Neolithic period between 5,000 and uh, 3,500 BCE. So you see, uh, you know how impressive it is, right there. You know, most encircling this central area, but inside the uh, uh, the moats, uh, there is this uh, uh, wall encircling. Uh, so to provide really double security, uh, those walls are pretty thick. Okay, very wide and very tall. Uh, just imagine how much work it must have been to use stone tools to actually dig out so much earth and build layer after layer those walls just to make sure that the people living within would be safe uh, and prevented, uh, protected uh, from uh, enemy attacks. But the social complexity uh, at this time was still very low. Uh, pretty much a flat society because so far archaeologists have not found a lot of uh, signs from the material remains indicating, you know, uh, this, uh, 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 stratification, uh, across the different classes and, uh, leaders and, uh, then, then they ruled and so on. And also there was not as much, uh, separation, sorry, a division of labor or specialization of production. So here is another example from uh, Henan, uh, the Shanxi, uh, the Shanxi site. Uh, this is pretty small, uh, 3,400, uh, no, 34,500 square meters in size. But the structure is very similar, uh, to the one we just saw from, uh, you know, uh, the uh, period, uh, a couple thousand years uh, earlier. So there is a, a moat, uh, out layer or out wall. Outer fortification, and then the mud uh, wall uh, is certainly the uh, living area. So here, uh, the walls are uh, is uh, so far estimated to be two hundred sixty-five meters long, uh, five uh, three to five meters wide, uh, one point seven five to two point five meters tall. Okay, so. It's is that even the shortest uh, seg uh, segment is taller than me, uh, 1.5, 0.75, okay. And then the moat is also a pretty uh, big moat, huh? you're so clean. And then uh, two big gates, so it looks uh, very close to, uh, uh, very similar to a modern uh, city, uh, so to speak. But again, uh, social complexity and uh, social stratification levels were still uh, pretty low. And then, uh, we, if we move on to the late Neolithic, then things got a lot more interesting. So by this time period, uh, there are, uh, uh, 128, uh, walled cities that have been discovered. Uh, uh, of those 128, uh, 13 walled cities had at least, uh, one square kilometer, uh, in area. And nine of them, uh, had more than two square kilometers in size. Uh, so here is a, a, a 
a good example uh, from this uh, uh, late Neolithic period, uh, Taosu, uh, in uh, uh, today's uh, Shaanxi province. Uh, this is one of the uh, uh, large uh, uh, um, uh, late Neolithic uh, world cities. It has uh, uh, 2.8 uh, square kilometers in area and then very complex uh, hierarchical social structure. And so you can see from this uh, uh, map uh, made by archaeologists, um, so far six palaces have been found lying in the center here. Uh, and then next to the palace area is this uh, section for mid-level elites to live in. And then above that, uh, uh, the, the palace area is the commoners' uh, residential area, and then this is area. This area is for storage, and then uh, craft uh, production area was done here, and then uh, burial grounds, uh, cemeteries uh, were divided uh, according to social status uh, as well. That was Professor Zhi Wu Chen from the University of Hong Kong. I'm Carol Meng, and I invite you to join me next Sunday morning. On Minds Matters.